Hello, everybody. Welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here, and I'm joined by Don again. Not, I guess it hasn't been as usual for the past few episodes on the public <laughs> sure. feed, but yeah, now Don's back. Uh, today, we're going to be doing a kind of like a recap and discussion episode about the uh, the Franklin story that we've uh, been covering the past few episodes. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to make sense if you haven't listened to the other ones, I think. But yeah, just kind of hashing through some of the different points that you brought up because I wasn't on those episodes and, and seeing, you know, if as part of like a broader sort of PTK thing, like what what the sort of bounds of the debate are and stuff like that and or like the investigation and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think that we'll go a little bit from the specific to the general kind of things about like the episodes and stuff and then what I was feeling about the, about at the time and stuff as I'm listening and all the different things like that. And then we'll get into sort of the more big picture, big question kind of stuff. And uh, so I guess the, the first thing is that I thought you did a good job like laying it out in very kind of like, I mean, sometimes excruciating because it's pretty gross stuff at times and stuff like that, right? But like the the sort of <laughs> yeah. the overall uh, elaborating what actually the different like accusations were and the different actual facts of the case and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was uh, good. Uh, I also thought it was funny. There was a little, you know, I mean, it's a dramatic case, but you also had a little drama there where it's like kind of culminates to a certain extent with like the plane crash of the investigator and all that kind of stuff you know it, like it really uh, does sort of have like a, a movie kind of <laughs> sure. narrative to it at, yeah, at times yeah exactly so um so that was i mean it's it's funny because it's it's a fun interesting kind of story but it's also like pretty gruesome in the details and stuff like that so i mean you know uh it, it was helpful, I think, for you in terms of laying it out to do it by yourself on most of this stuff. Uh, but it's also uh, something that I wouldn't naturally be inclined to go investigate myself kind of thing. It's not like the kind of case that I'm like going to leaf through a bunch of books about because uh, it's just I have like a certain aversion. I'm not going to like get into in general like true crime sort of stuff and, and or like whatever you want to call it, a like conspiracy or or uh, because I I sort of like am more interested in like you know like GDP statistics or something like that kind of thing you know what I mean <laughs> like I'm more like a mega yeah. level but uh, so I also I'm not like a legal expert or anything like that I don't have like a lot yeah of neither am I that. Uh, but at the same time I do have theoretically a master's in legal theory like I have like. I've been in law courses at law school kind of thing, right? Like I've, I've done a, a fair number of stuff in that sort of genre. So, and sort of like philosophy courses where you sort of like, it's like premise, 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 conclusion kind of thing. So my instinct while I'm listening to this whole thing is anytime there's like a flourish or like anytime there's like, uh, like, you know, the narrative fits really interestingly or something like that. I, I think to myself, I can't accept that as evidence or something like that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of think like mm. I have to be like careful about it and stuff like that. Like it's at, at the end of the day, it's a, uh, it's sort of like a story like that's of, of stuff that happens. Yeah. It's not necessarily like, it's not like a prosecution kind of thing. Right. So it's, it is, it is a yes. prosecution yeah. in the sense that like, you know, it's, we're talking about a specific set of cases, but it's not like, you know, we, we can get into stuff where it's like the investigators felt strange about something or something like that, or 
there was weird coincidences and stuff like that. Stuff that like it does it does actually affect a lot of cases in real life, but it's also like you know any lawyer listening to it as if like to track actually build a case or something that would have a lot of problems with each kind of like step of the case and stuff like that. So, I mean, the first thing that like I kind of came up with was the sort of like gut level thing. When you hear this level of like the scale of like possible involvement of like all these different national politicians and stuff like that, of the, you know, the FBI sounding at a lot of points as if they're intervening against investigating kind of thing and stuff like that, or as if Mm -hmm. they're, monopolizing the information and all this stuff and and the all that kind of stuff i think that like for me i get like a gut level kind of like well it's not really likely that you would have this level of coordination and all this kind of stuff and like and also sort of like at the local level it's not like like there's people that are like maybe powerful and like omaha or whatever kind of thing you know what i mean like that kind of level of uh involvement but they're not really like big fish nationally or anything like that. So it's sort of like, why would they be involved? Like, does the mayor really need to be involved in a sex ring or something like that kind of thing? If it's just a mayor in some like local town and stuff like that. But it's funny because if you take a little bit of a step back and you kind of go, okay, like look at like what happened in the Catholic church or like any other thing. Like if you look in the last 10, 20 years, there's been similar things within the Mormon church. There's been similar things within evangelical churches, ultra-Orthodox Jewish communities and stuff like that. Then that's just within the religion kind of sphere or whatever, where it's the same kind of thing where like, it would be totally nonsense to be like, oh, you know, thousands of priests are involved in abuse cases and, uh, you know, they're being moved around instead of prosecuted and, the reporters are not reporting on it because it seems unseemly to report on priests and stuff like that. Like it doesn't, it doesn't pass the smell test until you find out that it's actually true. And I think that, I think that is sort of part of it for this, for me, where it's like, there's such this like overwhelming, like mess that's there that it's like, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like that's the sort of issue. And then you're kind of like, well then wouldn't anyone be interested in a really deep investigation in that? If they were like lived that experience or something like that, like if you're a parent or if you were like a local official or something like that, wouldn't that be a big deal? And if parts of the case fall apart or parts of it become skeptical or something like that, it doesn't seem like you would have the same kind of step away of, the FBI not being interested at all or anything like this and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's sort of my Mm -hmm. initial sort of like wave of feeling about this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. I I think for me, I I get what you're saying, but when I look like started to kind of put all this together, I really like turned off a certain part of like that whole smell test thing that you like, I kind of turned that part of my brain off and it, it was just like, what is, the clearest way to present the information that tells the story that, you know, that Nick Bryant, I mean, I primarily use the one source, right? Nick Bryant. So I I took his work and tried to 
summarize it essentially there's a lot that i left out honestly like it, as gruesome as the details that i did put in there were there's a lot i left out sure. uh, especially like in in terms of like legal stuff because i just don't have the fluency with that world so sure. i kind of uh left the whole like the whole grand jury itself could go like a whole six episodes itself so i kind of left that as just like the conclusion of it um, but yeah, for, for me, it was more just like, what do people, what is the case that people have built against the sort of like, oh, it's all a hoax kind of a thing. Sure. Cause to me, that also doesn't pass the smell test. Sure. For sure. You know? Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, there's the official story, which doesn't sound right, but then there's like the kind of popular alternative, I suppose it also sounds like there's something wrong with it too. So that's where my interest comes in to kind of see like, well, what do people actually say about this and what is worth saying about it in, in terms of like in presenting the story. So there's sure. certain things I, I leave out just because it's like unnecessary to, to get the whole, to drive the point across. Like, for example, there's a whole section in the book on boys town that I just didn't really sure. get into much at all. Yeah. I mean, there's only so, so much you can even cover in a few hours. And I think that like, unless the podcast became about that to like an incredible extent, kind of thing you're not going to do like you know 10 five hour episodes just about one aspect of the case or something like that unless you know there are certain ways we could do that but it's it's sort of like it makes more sense i think in the way that you did it to lay out enough that there's sort of like a like there's a bit of meat on the bones kind of thing like there's there's you've got yeah. you've got the basics that uh of what what interests people and why it doesn't really make much sense uh in the way that of like the 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 idea that it would just be all sort of like a hoax and all that kind of stuff so uh yeah let, let me just add one more thing about kind of the the the, the way that we did this so uh, i'm sure you remember don we originally recorded an episode we that we haven't released where we talked about this but we kind of what did we mix together we did mcmartin and franklin and i think presidio these three kind of similar scandals and I tried to like relay them all in one episode to you. And it, I, I don't think it worked very well because as a reasonable kind of response, you, you looked up like Wikipedia or you kind of did sure. a cursory like Google search and you're like, oh, well, people say this is a hoax. And yeah. I realized that that's a perfectly reasonable way to respond to this. Like it, it's not convincing for me to just say this happened and then this happened and this happened in summary. So that's why I felt that going... Sure. a little bit more in depth and doing the whole like saga of it um it shifts the burden of proof a little bit cuz i i feel yeah. like okay so the other side is now able to show their cards a little bit now it's on the hmm i don't think that's likely sort of sure. uh, people to to say like well what what is it about these anecdotes or about this story that you find questionable now that you've kind of seen the whole thing so i felt like that was a maybe a stronger way to kind of um sure to yeah dive into this yeah i mean because again it's one of those things where I, I kept uh like waffling back and forth a bit as i'm listening to it because there's certain things where it, it sounds so i mean it's not i'm not necessarily saying it's it's fake but it's like sort of like outlandish coincidences and sort of like extreme implications and stuff like that where uh you would want a lot of evidence for that kind of stuff, right? Like you would want like tons of it, uh, uh, to be able to be like, 
at the very least to like hang your hat on it at all kind of thing, right? Like at least to be able to like make political implications or anything like that from it or whatever, right? Like uh, in terms of yeah. like a lot of the Republican Party stuff and all that kind of thing, like or, uh, you know, or even when you start getting into some of the stuff around, you know, the money laundering and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, like those are pretty big accusations. Now, I mean, for me and you, uh, those are probably, you know, like slam dunk in the sense that like we're not surprised if the Republican Party is corrupt or something like that kind of thing. But if you're trying right. to talk about it in a certain frame of like, you know, not just just totally loosely, but actually get into it or something like that kind of thing, you got to be a bit careful about that kind of stuff sometimes. So I was sort of like narrowing in sometimes about like, okay, what can we say for certain here? And even the stuff that you can say for certain that's not based on testimony or, you know, is just based on like, you know, a 100% paper trail is pretty crazy. Like all the different, like the credit union stuff and that, and, you know, all of the like get rich quick part of that kind of thing. And like the strange accounting and stuff like that, that's enough for like a big scandal kind of thing in a way, especially when you get this guy involved in the Republican party and all this kind of stuff, right? Like it's like, uh, there's enough there of like for certain hundred percent that even without sort of the um, sex crime stuff and that there's, there's something again to sort of like hang your head on to as like a basic kind of structure of the story where the idea that like it's all fake and to some extent uh, like I know that like even in the official story, a lot of that stuff is still considered like crimes and stuff like that, but it's like, uh, you know, there's there's enough of a thing where if you narrow in too much, you're missing all of these weird, confusing connections. You're missing all of the different accusations. You're missing the testimony of people. So if you only focus in on the paper trail, 100%, um, you're missing a lot of the case because it's like the overall effect. Now, for a prosecution, you can't really, you're not supposed to do that kind of thing in the sense of the overall effect is not what you're, you can't, you can't like put someone in jail in general for the overall effect, right? But for politics or yeah. for like an opinion, that's fine. You can, you can be like, well, yeah, these for your, guys are for your personal understanding. Sure. Right. It's, it's right. yeah. So, I mean, I'm, when I'm listening to the testimony, I had to I had to stop it a lot and uh, take like breaks and stuff. Um, and part of that was because when I'm listening to the testimony and stuff, I, I get like sort of doubtful at points where it's like, well, there's too many back and forth. There's too many retractions. There's too many like confusing statements and stuff like that um, where uh thing. But uh the problem is you don't want to tune it out, right? You don't want to like stop listening and not try to make the connections in your head between the different uh, testimonies. And, uh, um, and there's so much involved in those testimonies in different ways where it's like, as you make, as you make very clear, like the contradictions uh, that come up or like the recanting of some of them and stuff like that, there's still too much there that, that, that seems weird. You know, like there's too much right. there. Like even even if you just focus on the behavior of the, you know, the legal authorities, the 
you know, the law enforcement, the newspapers, the me like it doesn't need to be in concert necessarily, but like in terms of like some some guy hatched some master plan and is like directing all of this from some like secret room. (laughs) It's just that they, you know, there's certain kind of friendly relationships between people in different places and they're kind of doing favors for each other. And it's like, it, it definitely, um, even if it, it, let's say that it was completely a hoax, the way that they responded to the hoax is still un. It was unjust, you know, like, like you can, even if you want to assume that, um, the victims are all liars and they're just trying to get money out of people, the way they responded was, was criminal really. Like, yeah, yeah, I I think there's a lot to, to be gained from hearing the kind of blow by blow account of it. And then you, you can't dismiss, um, you can't dismiss it, but you also can't just easily accept some, some story you know, or some version of the story either with, with like, uh, without reservation, you know, like there's, even if you want to believe, say the victims, you can't uh, fully like just trust their testimony because it's like from the outset, a little bit unreliable. The people are kind of, you know, messed up. It's sure. It's messy. Like real life is messy, you know, which uh, in a weird way, it almost lends like some persuasiveness to the, to the argument. I thought. Yeah. And I think that, like, even the response to the idea that it was a hoax or something like that, the way that, the, as we're talking about, it, a lot of, like, common sense, I think, amongst the general population depends on this idea of if there's contradictions or messiness or, uh, you know, problems with the way that the cases proceed, you know, proceeds and all that kind of stuff, or political implications that you don't like or something like that. Uh, you got a lot going on in your day and stuff like that, right? Like you can, you can maybe be like certain people might get interested in this kind of stuff, but in general, it just sort of washes together with a lot of other crimes and assumptions and stuff like that. If you're like, if you hate the Republican party and you live there or something like that, maybe I'm not even saying like, if you're left wing, you could be like, you know, a conservative that thinks that all politicians are crooks or something like that. You can sort of integrate this into your worldview to some extent of being like, well, these guys are crooks and that. But you're not going to take necessarily steps beyond that kind of thing, right? Like you might vote for a populist right politician or something like that that says they're going to get rid of a lot of these people or something like that. There might be like things you do in your life. But if there is some sort of coordination to sort of suppress the story in different ways, or at the very least to make the political implications somewhat limited, you know, in different ways, uh, then... uh, really there's not you don't have to do as much as maybe people think sometimes i think or something like that like it doesn't really matter if people are looking into the case that much or something like that if there's not the, yeah. then 10 steps down the line of we're getting rid of these networks or something like that or we're getting rid of these crooks if if there's enough confusion and stuff like that or if there's enough like you know muddying the waters and all that kind of stuff then you know it's sufficient to allow uh, the mess to sort of float there. Um, uh, especially because, you know, we're talking about if, if in sort of like the meta narrative, like the, the super narrative here, we're talking about a local instance of networks that depend on these little local sort of, uh, uh, you know, like, um, I'm not sure what, you know, like local messes, I guess, kind of thing 
to fund other things and stuff like that, right? Like to like the credit union uh, is not really as interesting if it's just a credit union crime in one area that one guy exploited or something like that. It's more interesting in terms of like, well, are they using that money for operations? Or are they using that money for funding political campaigns and stuff like that? Like that's where you start to get the tentacles kind of part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And for my part, like you, you were speaking about like plugging this into a political narrative. I think my primary interest about this stuff is not actually the politics necessarily in, in this kind of like notion of who are the bad guys? What is the shape of their organization that, you know, it's more like, um, I don't know. It's a little bit uh, closer to something of like an interest in how venal human society actually is like how, how much of a, uh, how much behind the veil can we see by looking at this sort of stuff to see how power actually works? Like the most interesting things to me about this case are things like at the at a, at the street level, it operates by um, Troy Boner uh, inviting other teenagers to a party and the way that he sells it to them. Sure, you know, like that is the ground level like the atoms that make up this whole thing. So it, while it's interesting to see the, like zoom out and see the whole structure as best you can, like it's obviously very foggy and difficult to get a clear picture of it. But I think it's, it's very interesting to go like bit by bit and to see those building blocks. And it just does the, the tower doesn't, you never get to the top. It just keeps building and your ability to, maintain the the story you're supposed to believe dissolves the more you learn about sure, it you know for sure yeah it doesn't it, it doesn't mean that you are uncovering a truth that now you actually know what happened it just means that the truth that you're supposed to believe dissolves away and what i can kind of latch on to are these like more uh these moments of like things that i can perceive as real like when um Alicia Owen is a is a important figure for me in this regard, like as pertaining to the case where like she strikes me as someone that um, feels reliable as a person in the sense like what she says, whether it's true or, or flimsy in some ways. Like I think she's mostly telling the truth, but um, I, I feel like I can trust her as a person in the sense of like I can... Um, I can see her her story as a real story. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm I'm being clear about what I'm trying to say here, but yeah, um, there's there's a certain type of credibility where it's not necessarily. Uh, again, it, you know, you don't you don't. It, you could see where even if uh, people, you know, like the you know, like the facts, the facts, as you said, crumble away a certain way of looking at the world. Uh, like even if. Mm-hmm. Even if, uh, if you had to like, you know, list fifty different claims, some of those might be wrong, or something like that, kind of thing, or something. Yeah, you know, like right. It's yeah. It, I'm not. I'm not it's, like it's, uh, the, it's a preponderance of evidence kind of thing. It's not like uh, um, right. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to. Again, it doesn't have to add up to a clear picture. It's just that sure. the thing you're supposed to believe falls away. Anyway, I'm repeating yeah. myself now. Sure, sure. But I mean, you know, one thing that I was thinking for the sort of like uh, credibility of like local officials and all this kind of stuff of like FBI and stuff, uh, how sort of these cases are 
contained or something like that kind of thing, you know, like the, the tying off loose ends kind of part. Um, mm. It reminded me of this article that came out, I think it was like a few years ago, maybe two years ago or something like that, where they were talking about how the government uh, creates background uh, identification for like undercover police and stuff like that. And there's people that drive around the country collecting mail or doing other sort of like little tasks and stuff like that uh, to create backgrounds for people, basically, right? Like for these things. Uh, and they'll do it for like, you know, 25 years or something like that kind of thing. Well, they'll go around and, you know, they've got like their little circuits and stuff like that or their little things and stuff where, you know, they can't create an identity that a foreign intelligence agency couldn't look through in some ways or something like that, right? But they can create one where the average person with average tools and stuff like that would have no possible way to figure out was fake, basically, you know, where mm -hmm. they can do something where it's like, uh, you know, if you looked into this person and you saw, okay, well, it says they went to this high school or something like that. If you check the register for that high school, it would say that person went or something like that, right? Like. They, they, that's how the level of granularity they get to on this kind of stuff, right? If that's what they're doing for thousands of undercover cases and stuff like that too, you got to think that like, they've got it down to a science at the very least for how they manage cases and stuff like that. And it doesn't even have to be necessarily uh, control in terms of like a notorious all the way down, like, it can just be information that we don't have access to. It could be stuff like, well, okay, well, maybe parts of the FBI monitor what the Republican Party is doing or something like that for internal reasons and stuff like that. And they don't release all of those cases because they use them as informants and all that kind of stuff. Still might be from a citizen's perspective, not an ideal situation, right? Like it still might be, well, sure. why did they let them do the credit union stuff that they knew about or something? Why did they... You know, it, you know, especially when the CIA is involved in that kind of stuff where it's like, okay, well, a lot of the times when these cases wrap up or something like that, you're like, wait a minute. It's like, you know, when they ran the, they'll run like child pornography websites for years and stuff like that. And then just, you know, they'll be like, well, look at, we caught all these people and stuff. And it's like, yeah, but like your, 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 your child pornography purveyors in this end or something like that. So I'm sure there's like an internal logic necessarily for some, some kind of things. It doesn't have to be like necessarily, you know, like we don't know how it works in terms of like, okay, well the Republican party at this level or, you know, the CIA or whatever directs specifics of the case all the way down or something like that. And as you said, like it can just be like implications too, where it's like, well, the police know they shouldn't look into that kind of stuff or whatever, you know, like you get a phone call and it says, that's not your business or something like that. Or yes. Something, you know? Some like the chief just walks in, gives you a nice bottle of wine or something is like, why don't you take the rest of the day off and forget about this? Yeah. And you know, it, it's, yeah. it has, it just has to work like on that level. You sure. Know? So, uh, so maybe, maybe we can get into, I'm not sure if there's any of the specifics you wanted to bring up or something like that. I was going to maybe get into some of the, meta problems of it kind of thing in a bit kind of thing i don't know this is the way that i think about this kind of stuff at least like i don't it, to me the actual like you know did this happen on this day like there there are strange things that like stood out to me like certain things like where uh larry king said that like 
if I'm remembering correctly, that he said he like rented out to that photographer and kicked him out when he heard he was yes. doing stuff with kids. Like that's. Um, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I guess he did say that. Yeah, he he um was he gave this apartment to uh, Rusty Nelson, the photographer, and then uh, did kick him out later. And I think it was sort of implied that it was after it was revealed to him that he was like involved in child pornography and stuff like that. Yeah. So even that is very, very like glaring. Like that's a, if a a police officer generally heard that kind of thing, that's a pretty like blaring red alert kind of thing of, wait a minute. Right. And then, you know, what did the police do? Right. Yeah. Did they behave as if they, like, this is a new revelation to them? And were they, you know, did they treat it like they would treat what you would expect, you know, yeah. a situation like that? No, they said they, oh, we looked into that and it's no big deal. Nothing yeah. nothing there to see. Exactly. So I think that, like, you know, there's, there's certain situations where I, I try to think of, like, maybe, you know, what what would what would people know at the time and what would they be doing and stuff like that and it's like okay well certain police officers and stuff might be you got to think that like you you can't think i think in terms of the idea that like everyone involved is like you know total darkness or something like that kind of thing like it's got to be it's got to be things where it's like it's credible enough that like people are letting things slide and stuff like that or whatever right like or there might be part right. of a network. It's got to be a lot of the people involved have to be sort of in a gray area where it's like, okay, well, I know messed up stuff is going on, but most of it is probably fake accusations or something like that. Or it's like messed up stuff is going on, but like I'll get fired if I do anything about this or worse. So, yeah, you know, and the, all it takes is a little bit of trust in the sense like, well, these guys are, you know, they're, they're big players around town. So A, that's dangerous for me to mess with them. B, if you're maybe a conservative, like you might be if you're a police officer or whatever, you might kind of see them as like the good people of the sure. town. And then these other people, they're they're black, they're teenagers, they're drug users, you know, they, yeah. they, they're homeless or whatever. There are all kinds of reasons that if you're kind of like this pig, you're going to look at them and just be like, well, these people are lying. They're just trying to get money. They're lazy. Sure. They're cheaters or, you know, so there's like, it just takes a little, little mental kind of trick like that. And you can dismiss the whole thing. It, it reminds me, um, there was this thing in Japan that was, it's one of the most horrific, one of these kind of like true crime type of cases, but it was these, uh, teen boys that kidnapped a teenage girl and, brought her back to his one of the boys like house the parents house and they kept her in their, his bedroom and it was like this ongoing weeks-long thing where they would just torture her in the bedroom and num- a number of guys would come and go yeah and the parents uh could hear the whole thing like it wasn't like soundproofed or anything so they're hearing her scream and all this kind of stuff go on and they just never confronted him yeah uh, the son they obviously must have known something was going on, but there's a certain social etiquette and like the these like group affinities or whatever you know, like family or sure. a certain certain kind of like police fraternity or political, you know, um, identity, all this sort of stuff. Uh, it will it will mess with your mind, I think, on a, yeah. on a certain level. Like you you don't necessarily know that what what they're doing is 
you know what they're doing is wrong, but you don't know to what extent and you don't know if you should be putting them in trouble. You kind of sure. are like, well, that's my son or that's that's my buddy, you know, or there's all kinds of kind of games you can play with yourself to just let things go on because it's on, on some level it's in your interest to do so. It's, it's sure. scary to want to confront that. So, again, for me, it's like a comparison, again, is like the Catholic Church stuff. If it were like, sure. say, in the yeah. 80s. Like not not after at the very least not after like the spotlight series in uh, um, the Boston Globe and stuff like that in two thousand two thousand one or whatever whenever it came out. Uh, it's not like I'm not saying that like once it's like a national scandal to like an extreme degree and like everyone is sort of like the general mood shifted on it kind of thing. I think uh, even though I mean within the Catholic Church I think that like a lot of people don't believe it in the way that like there I think there are there's still a lot of denial I think but like in terms of like the 80s or 90s where it's not at that level yet and there are people looking into it or accusing people but it's not like uh it hasn't reached that sort of like ideological tipping point kind of thing within the general population or whatever um if if you were just told about it it wouldn't make sense at all I mean I just it wouldn't you you would go okay what's reasonable here you know and you would say, well, okay, so you're saying a bishop, uh, you know, abused dozens of kids or something like that, like just as a made up example, whatever, right? Like, okay, well, he has staff there. Like he has people around him all day. He's seeing people all day. So like, you know, like just dozens of people, whatever, like uh, he has dozens of people who report to him uh, that could just tell you that they're doing that or whatever, right? Like... Uh, he's in a position of authority and respect in a certain way that if something were untoward, people would say something. Like, it's not like, like if a manager of a business abuses someone, uh, um, like it's not, you know, like if a restaurant manager abuses someone, it's not going to create this sort of scandal that someone that's not supposed to be having sex at all is going to cause and stuff like that. So there's certain plausibility things. But we know that it actually did happen, you know? Like, we know that these things really did happen on, like, an industrial scale, basically, kind of thing, you know? So, I think that's part of it, too, where it's like, we have this, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but, like, a tendency to believe the best at a certain level about, like, people in general, unless, like, about, like, certain cases and stuff like that. Um, and not, not, I mean, maybe, maybe we still think that, like, they're, crooks and just general ways whatever like i'm sure there's tons of people that don't like bishops and stuff like that right or you know uh heads of uh, financial institutions and stuff like that obviously but like it's there's there's that underlying thing of like uh, okay well what's the you know what's the case here should i get involved and that i think that is like the one of the takeaways for me in this kind of stuff where it's like you know the there are moments in this case where like, say the parents get involved in different ways and stuff like that. Right. Where it's like mm-hmm. the, they've got like these committees and all this kind of stuff that they put pressure on. And there are like news stories that float around about it and stuff like that. And different accusations and stuff. There are like semi objective kind of people involved in different ways and stuff. Um, but as soon as they can kind of put enough pressure to tie up the loose ends in different ways 
uh, I mean, that's what it, it seems like, uh, all, that starts to fall apart and stuff like that. And I mean, even those kind of like citizen involved actions and stuff like that, I think that like, we're rightly skeptical of them a lot of the time anyways, because it's like, like, look at right now when you've got like a lot of yeah, parents, right. you know, you've got tons of parents showing up being like, well, critical race theory or whatever is being taught to our kids to like teach them that like America is like a slave state or whatever kind of stuff, whatever. Right? Yeah. Like, I, so I saw this uh, video recently about like this lady who was big in the anti-vax movement and she was describing, uh, what she was kind of implying was like intimidation and stuff. Like someone was breaking into her house and like moving certain objects and around her room and stuff and in her house and like that didn't have any explanation. And that this security expert she hired was telling her that these are messages they're sending and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, it just sounds very similar to what some of the parents in the, uh, I think it was called the concerned parents group were reporting, you know, like yeah. just really uh prankstery kind of stuff. Yeah, and I, I don't think that's necessarily, like, uh, you know, in Canada, we get a lot of this stuff, too, obviously, with uh, with the anti-vax stuff, or we had, or, you know, not necessarily just that movement, but, like, you know, just different, there's certain different, like, things where this these accusations uh, bubble up. For Trudeau and, like, the liberals and stuff like that, uh, at, at this point, it's somewhat functional, you know, like, for both sides, it's sort of functional, where... He likes to be able to stand up to them in different ways and stuff like that. So yeah, it's sort of a wrestling kind of a dynamic, like yeah. the heel and the yeah. sure. So I mean, even even you would think like if you're thinking in terms of like loose ends, you would be like, well, why are they fine with like parents holding these protests and stuff like that or whatever, right? Like in terms of loose ends, uh, you would want the whole case to be airtight, but. If they know at some gut level or whatever, or just through statistics, whatever, that it never reaches a crescendo of most people involved getting in trouble, well, then there's not the, you know, there's it's it's fine if there's a little bit of uh, wacky parents complaining or something. Yeah, like it is airtight because they control the the levers at each point, right? Like, sure. the, you know, Larry King shows up to the GOP convention. And the president is there and he's like, get this guy out of here. So the Secret Service escorts him out. And the next day he's in front of a judge declaring him mentally unfit with no, you know, no evidence or basis for it. He just gets declared mentally unfit and he's locked away in a mental facility. And what are you going to do about it? Sure. You know, it, it went through all the legal channels. It's a legal truth now. And yeah. There's no one to appeal to. Like, they, they know what they can do. Like, it went to a grand jury, for example. Uh, that's because that's more, um, it's easier to manipulate uh, a jury uh, in, in that way. I don't know if I went into that in the, uh, you know, in the series, but Bryant makes a case for the, the grand jury. And I think, actually, Dave McGowan talks about this, too, in Program to Kill, where the, the grand jury, it's, it's very easy to be selective about the evidence mm -hmm. and to you know, to present like a very, you can easily manipulate the the kind of version of events that the jury sees. Mm -hmm. So that's just like one example of a, you know, they, they, they know how to do this. Like they, they didn't get into this. It's not just like they're a bunch of wild eyed, like psychos running around and just sort of like after the fact kind of cleaning up. Although it is a little bit like that. Um, they kind I think it's, it's fairly anarchic, 
but there's very firm like security measures of like, sure. well, we can be loose and sloppy on this level because if it ever actually gets to the next level, I all I have to do is like pull this lever and then that's that's done. And yeah. we only have to do that every now and then. So even if it doesn't look good at the time, we just get a fall guy and then it's no big deal. You know? Sure. So King this time, Epstein another time, you know, yeah, whatever. Exactly. Every once in a while it, it slips out, but it world world keeps turning, you know? Sure. Yeah, I think that like uh so I thought I would bring up like two you know, we don't want to go too long, but like uh, just like the narrative problems uh that sort sort of things like this that I, I don't know, sort of stood out to me that I wanted to bring up. Uh one of them is like I called like in my head like the Hollywood problem. Which is that, mm-hmm. like, in a movie, like, say you got, like, a movie about, like, 80s villains or something like that, like a comedy movie or something like that, right? In that movie, you need to, like, say, like, the guy is, like, an evil boss of the company or something like that. You need to show him doing something like spitting on an employee or something like that kind of thing, like, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can't be just business. Like, it's got to be somehow personal and vindictive that they're also... It's not just that they're a bad boss. It's that they're stupid and mean and evil and stuff like that. I think that one of the things that, like, is why I was sort of skeptical at first with a lot of this stuff is that, like, there's there's elements of the story where they have to show personal abuse as a sign of, like, structural corruption. And... Like, the fact that there's all these, like, sex crimes involved and stuff like that, to me, uh, like, they can't just be murderers, they have to be torturers kind of thing, you know? Like, they can't just be a credit union stealing money. There's got to be funds for criminals and stuff like that, even that. Like, even that is not enough. It's got to be somehow these people are uh, doing things that are beyond the pale of... It's not just business. It can't just be the Republican Party stealing money and all this kind of stuff or whatever that the grander implications might be. Uh, Somehow you need to get into the mess of human society in in like a more gritty way to make it salient and stuff like that. But, you know, so at some level you kind of, my impulse is to be like, okay, let's take a step back here and basically bracket all of the sex stuff and just focus on the financial stuff. But, you know, as you said, like, the more you look into this kind of stuff, it's so connected. Like, it's just, like, it's, in Marxist terms, you'd want to, a lot of the time, get rid of the moral implications of a lot of the stuff to focus on whose interest is involved in all this kind of stuff. But really, the sense that you get is that, like, even if it's not, like, you know, even if it weren't abuse, right? Like, even if they were just visiting, uh, you know, prostitutes and stuff like that, uh, in parties and stuff like that, in a way that, like, maybe it's not morally upright, but it's at at the very least, like, it's not like a child abuse or something like that kind of thing. Even if it were there, it's inseparable. Like, it's not, you can't, you can't just focus on the economics of it. Like, there's, there's obviously some sort of, uh, um, like, the parties that are involved, the you know, the blackmail that's involved, the um, stuff like that. Uh, I think you made a good case to me, at least, that, like, there's, you know, 
the steps that are involved are not entirely rational. They're not just about, okay, we'll take some money and stuff like that. Because even if you were going to do that kind of stuff, if you have that level of power over the institutions and stuff like that, if you, all you wanted to do is make money and it wasn't for a alternative purposes or something like that, you can just do that. You don't need yeah, to and there, steal. You know, there yeah. are people in involved that that was their interest. Sure. And that was that was it. You know, so to me, it's less about like, okay, we found someone who's embezzling millions of dollars, but guess what? They're also a pedophile. It's more like of the thousands and thousands of cases of embezzlement, this one actually. Like you pulled the string and it actually unveiled this whole other, like sure. much larger crime scheme. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Like I'm reading that book called uh, Systemic Corruption and uh, uh, by Vergara. And it's the sort of premise of the book that uh, she builds a whole legal apparatus around it and constitutional theory and stuff. But basically the idea is that like there's so much corruption now that is not necessarily always blatantly criminal it's just there's just swirling amounts of money that you know mm -hmm. as you said like if you looked now i mean theoretically it's not really legal because uh you're accusing them of uh making it so that larry king is just being shut up or something like that but in terms of like the actual legal theory of real life or something like that most of these things are not breaking the law in uh way that is ever resolved through the legal system or something like that kind of thing, right? Like, it's like, from the perspective of yeah. judges, uh, at least historically, all this stuff is getting green lights at different points, right? Like, um, it, from our perspective, it, a lot of it is crime, but like, from the perspective of the system, uh, excluding the idea that like, maybe you could review it because of new evidence and all that kind of stuff, there's no there's no levers there that the average person can control uh, that have been upset in some way. It's all systemic corruption. It's all corruption of rich people doing things uh, uh, and, or like, you know, powerful people or whatever um, that flows through mostly normal channels. It needs to have this excess of criminality and, you know, like lust and stuff like that to function at some level, that's true. But uh, in our sort of like liberal legal framework and stuff like that, the idea that like someone is rich and powerful and stuff like that uh, is not corruption in itself. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like it's, we don't think of it that way. I don't right. think in the same way. We think of it as what can we get them in trouble for? So the fact that like Trump is some crook uh, in all sorts of different ways, right? The average person has a sense that that guy's not a good guy, I think, to at least in what he was doing at that point and stuff like that, right? Like, But uh, there's an obsession in the liberal media and stuff like that about proving that it went beyond that into specific crimes they can get right. in trouble Right, all for. the Russia stuff. Yeah. So I think that, you know, your point about like this being like a preponderance of evidence, kind of like you can't look at things in the old way. I think that some systemic corruption is a big part of that where it's like, okay, well, even if you can't nail them down on any specific thing and get them like, you know, we're, we're talking about it, but we're not like launching court complaints or something like that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like we're, we're suggesting yeah, we're not certain things. We're not involved in like that thing, but 
that's the sort of thing. It's like, okay, well, it's like a worldview of what's the, you know, if, if it, it, it's true that it pushes into open criminality at times, and that's why it's an interesting story, but it does give you a sense of the world of, uh, it's true that it always spills beyond the sort of liberal framework, but like, it, it, it's, uh, there's tons and tons of parts of the story where if you take a little step back into things where it's not, it's not technically illegal or it's like illegal, but sort of in a sort of mild way, like it's like drugs or alcohol and all this kind of stuff where it's like, it still might be immoral to us, but it's not necessarily like a public concern in our current framework or something like that. Um, I think that all of that together in your mind is like, damn, that's not good. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't know. It's like, like the whole, it's just a giant mess. It's just like, uh, of like, even if it were parties of the powerful people getting together and each step of that was legal, it would still be a very messy, messy situation. Uh, and, uh, something I think of like, mm-hmm. it's something that like, maybe, it's uncool to think that that's a public concern, maybe to some extent kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, like if uh, the average person uh, our age looking into this kind of stuff is not really going to care that much if it was just like cocaine and a bit of stealing or something like that kind of thing. Right. You know, but I think to you and I, that's like something's up here, you know, like, like uh, the fact that we like normalize parts of that even are, uh, I don't know. There's a story there, at least. You know, like there's, there's yeah. There's it, it, there. To me, it suggests the nature of power, yeah. at least as it exists in our society. Like I think, you know, you were talking about like it's not a crime to be a rich person. Like that's not indicative of corruption in itself in our sort of consensus framework that we yeah. live in. I think this story and stories like this and the stuff we're going to um, look at it reveals that that is an insufficient framework to address these things if you feel like any of part of this is wrong you know so in the case of some politician does like there's that thing in britain where someone got caught doing cocaine in the parliament building and it's to me it's like uh okay this is some big scandal wow you guys are i mean the royal family's down the street sure <laughs> this is what you're worried about but that in a very small way has certain implications and kind of suggests the nature of what it means to be a part of the ruling class or adjacent to the ruling class and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it doesn't really reveal things in the way that something like this does where because of the way that it, it's like we found a cancer that's like just spread through all of society, you know, like from the street level to the top, you kind of see this thread and that, that I think says something. So yeah. you can bring Marxist analysis to bear on it. I think there's a lot to be said about the way class is implicated in this. Sure, all the per, you know alleged perpetrators of these crimes are people from the, the ruling class. They own newspaper companies. They're the chief of police. They're you know they're in political parties. There's a lot of that going on. And even with like Craig Spence inventing a background of being from the ruling class. Which wasn't really necessary, but he still felt like that was sure. He had a there was an impulse there. Where where does that come from? What does that say? Yeah. Um. It, you know, and all the victims are people from, oh, you know, like the the working class or the underclass, whatever you want to call it, right? Like they're they're 
yeah, working class families or homeless people or, you know, from orphanages, they're, uh, they're there to be exploited by the ruling class. And that doesn't always and only come out in terms of labor relations. You know, it's not always about uh, putting someone to work for a wage. It can, I mean, although actually in some cases, even in this, it, it did show up like that where they were like running drugs and the pandering like there's a certain that is kind of just a business with employees and all that sort of thing so in a certain way it's it weirdly parallels that sure um yeah i think there's a lot to be to be looked at there whatever perspective you want to take um yeah you know i think uh, that the yeah. yeah go ahead sorry um i think that i think you're right and i think that like uh you know i think that there's there are certain people, especially in the sort of like mainstream part of the left and stuff like that, where their theory of change kind of thing is we get as many people together, we elect different people, maybe we do stuff with like unions and protests and stuff like that too, but they're part of this sort of like wave of people that are going to get put into these institutions that already exist generally, you know, like parliament or a congress and stuff like that, the presidency. Once we control those institutions, we can start to change society in some ways where, you know, maybe there's corruption, the elites in all different sorts of ways. Most of what they're interested in that is the economic side of it or greed in some sort of clear way. It's not like the lust part of it as much. But, uh, you know, but that's sort of the, the sort of basic arc kind of thing. It's like, okay, we'll elect someone like Bernie Sanders maybe or a bunch of people in Congress. It might take 20 years. It might take 50 years. That's sort of the arc. The more that you get into sort of like the fact that like parts of the ruling class are criminal to this extent and are willing to use the institutions against people to an extreme extent, um, the more it sort of puts that theory of change into doubt kind of thing at some level because it's like, well, yeah, even if you get all of the people together and take the presidency or something like that. Number one, is that going to happen given how much control they have over the media and all this kind of stuff, right? Or number two, is it going to be enough uh, given the fact that they're just willing to kill people or something like that kind of thing? Or the fact that they will lie and stuff like that. I think that there's, because it puts that theory of change into doubt, even people who hate the ruling class in other ways are not willing to sort of countenance a lot of this stuff and get into it. And I have a part of that impulse too. I'm not saying that like everyone uh, is, is being deluded about this, but I do think that like any, any basic left-wing program, even if you're not really, you're not someone that would look into this stuff on your own or something like that kind of thing. You need to be at least aware of the, the level of the debate kind of thing or something like that. Kind of That's thing, you know? exactly my feeling. Yeah, yeah. I, sometimes I feel like my criticism of, of this um, style of politics you're describing would be like, you don't believe what you are, are saying society is like. Here's evidence that it is the way you are saying, but your actions don't sure don't mirror that or don't reflect that. Like if, if you say that our society is you know, essentially boils down to two classes, a small class of people who have essentially enslaved the rest of us as, you know, yeah, as, as slaves, right? They don't think of us as peers. They don't think of us as like, as the same, like, it's like a a farmer that has a bunch of sheep. Like you, you don't see yourself as one of the sheep. They're not your friends. They're there to 
perform a certain function for you. They, they serve you. Yeah. Um, it, that isn't just like, oh, they, they like cheated you on a, a, like a contract and they're not paying you enough and they should actually like pay for your health care too. That is not the the picture that gets painted if you take that logic to the you know if you kind of touch down on reality with the logic of there are two kinds of people that live in this society there are people that will uh they will just take your life and and consume it like they're happy sure. to do that and yeah. on a mass scale they will do that with an entire community yeah they will just suck the blood out of it and move on to the next one sure They've made the decision to exist this way. They have the ability to do it, and they said, yeah, let's go for it. It may not even cross their mind as, as that's a problem. In fact, I think in a lot of ways, they see this as moral superiority, like their ability to transcend whatever kind of like maybe resistance they have to that uh, in their soul. They they kind of see that, well, I can get over that and you know, put my will to power and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. I'm getting a little bit into my own little theories and stuff here sure. but but no that's um, that's what this is for so yeah i think that uh yeah yeah, yeah like I, we uh i i think the the darkness of the kind of like of class society is fully on display if you look at the this these uh, stories from that perspective and um i think it undermines the idea that we just got to vote for the right guy and get enough people sure. to link arms and and sing you know uplifting songs or like yeah. you know I think that even if you're willing to do that, even if it's like that is part of your theory, you just you have to be able to admit to yourself that the FBI exists, that the CIA exists, that they're not your friends, that they're not going to be your friends if you take power, that like, you know, and I think they're not going to accept yeah, defeat. Like sure. they're not going to play fair. You know, yeah. they're not, they're, the all the rules that they set out as like, this is the these are what we believe in. That is entirely a smokescreen. You know, yeah. there's there's a like evil is real basically yeah. is what i would say yeah. yeah and i think that like you know put on their back foot this sort of like mainstream sort of left position i think that what they would say is well the only way we'll actually ever win is if we have massive popular support and you can basically you know run away freight train your way through those institutions kind of thing right like it has to be so powerful that the police are afraid to react or something like that. And again, that would be nice. I'm not saying that like that's, you know, no one would yeah. be against that if you're left wing or something like that. No one would be against that. I think that like reality tends to be much closer into the gray area of, you know, even if you're able to master that situation of massive success in, from one framework, you're probably going to end up having some paranoid response to that situation like Stalin did or something like that, you know, or like, it's just probabilities. It's just like, what is the likely outcome of uh, having certain types of institutions in society where thousands of people involved are fighting to the death against you, basically, you know? And I think that like, I understand why it's nicer to some extent and it's not, it's not even nicer. It's true. I mean, it's true to some extent that like we've got a certain amount of freedom right now to be able to do stuff like, you know, me and you talk about this or, you know, you can, you can do stuff like tell people you're socialist and organize 
on that basis and stuff like that. To yeah, me, that's still wake up the next morning. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's not like it's it's not black and white, um, but right, uh, it's it's a lot more gray than the idea that like progressives winning a few elections are gonna be the decisive moment kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I know it's a little bit of a like cliche, but who was it? Um, who who said this? The like, uh, if if voting changed anything, they'd make it illegal. That sort of. I think that like people say that it's Emma Goldman, but it was someone else or something like that. That's yeah. who I was thinking yeah. of. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's trite. I'm not really like putting that out there, like just saying sure. that flatly, but there, there's that kind of, uh, that idea I think is definitely at play and like, sure. it's worth considering the idea yeah. that the fact that we can talk about this and the fact that Nick Bryant can write a book about it and it's published and you know, nothing really happens. Uh, it says, less about oh well you know wouldn't they want to stop that what do they care like the if the story sure. says that when people come out and and actually like even just attempt to like sue someone their life just gets destroyed and sure. all you have to do is destroy a, a few people's lives who are already like teetering and barely functional already like that that's not hard to do sure. it's i mean even even you and i if we really wanted to could do that but these people have re- a lot of resources and yeah. a lot of like reason to do it so uh, yeah yeah you know there's a, a certain measure of like where what we're doing by in talking about this and looking into this is less is it's less effective than the the kind of leftist uh, style politics that you were describing, actually, sure. like the electoral politics. Yeah. You know, talking about this doesn't do anything. Sure. No one's going to do anything from hearing this. I just think it's interesting to consider this because it. I think it says a lot about uh, the world we live sure. in and the true nature of power and um, what human beings mean to each other in this society. Yeah, I think... You know, it's it's sort of what you said reminded me of sort of like Noam Chomsky saying that like the U.S. achieved its war aims in Vietnam kind of thing, you know, where mm. it's like, OK, well, you look at the Vietnam War and from a certain leftist perspective, you can be like, OK, well, the communists won, basically. Uh, it's a huge success uh, from some levels of, uh, you know, a country standing up to a great power and all this kind of stuff. That's one way to look at it. The way that the United States planners, to some extent, probably look at it is, and I think that even even not just that, but I think like a general sense amongst a lot of people, especially in the United States, is that like, okay, well, if you try to have a socialist revolution, uh, they're going to empty a bunch of planes of bombs on you. And Mm -hmm. thousands of people in your communities are going to die. You're going to have to deal with a wrecked economy for 30, 40 years before you even get like sweatshops going. Uh, that's not a fail. Like that's not like a, a total success, right? Like that's not like a. It's you might win in some sort of like psychological, uh, like your flag is the color you want kind of thing, right? That is not nothing. That's like, it's similar to like you know overthrowing slavery in the United States, where it's like, you can't you can't say just because uh, black people had a terrible time after slavery too. That's still a success. It's still an amazing success to overthrow slavery. It doesn't mean that things are good. Uh, it doesn't mean that the average black person then says, okay, the way that we win is by standing up, for, you know, and fighting back and stuff like that. 
there's still going to be a lot of acquiescence. There's still going to be a lot of thing. It's like, you know, Chomsky calls it the threat of the good example and stuff like that. And I think it's the same mm. for certain uh, abuse and things like that, too, where it's like, okay, well, you know, as you said, like, if you stand up and try to fight this kind of stuff, whatever, you probably won't achieve anything, right? So if it they will cost look, you a lot, too. It's not just you'll yeah. fail. It will, like, you're risking everything just yeah. by on like a 10% or less chance of anything yeah. happening. So that's the last point that I just wanted to say before we kind of close up and stuff. Is that like the power problem kind of thing of like, when you're looking at these kind of cases, I think that what happens is you have like too much power or not enough on the behalf of the conspiracy side of it kind of thing of it's like, okay, well, if the FBI can, can or whatever, who, whoever the negative actors were in this situation, maybe trying to cover things up. If they could cover up some things, why didn't they cover up everything kind of thing? That's sort of the, any sort of case like this has that sort of problem of uh, when you're looking into it, you have at least like a gut reaction where it's like, okay, well, uh, you know, if they're that powerful, why do we know anything? Yeah. Or the other side of it of if they're not powerful, like if they could let all of this other stuff get out, why don't they just get overthrown? or something like that kind of thing, right? Like, why why is it allowed at, at all? You know, if, if people can kind of figure out some of this stuff, why is there not, like, a uprising? I think that, like, over the course of this episode, we've sort of given good reasons why uh, that is not necessarily the simplest way to look at it kind of thing, where it's like, okay, well, yes, but sufficient power in sufficient situations with some overflow for human mistakes and all that kind of stuff is enough for a lot of these things. Uh, and you still get the lesson out, right? Like, as you said, like if, if you have a small chance of success and a lot of uh, negativity, uh, if you look into this kind of stuff and you get like directly involved and in trying to push things through the course and stuff like that, um, uh, you know, like, or something like, you know, Jeffrey Epstein or something like that, where, okay, well, why would he end up dead if he's an agent of the state or whatever on this kind of stuff, you know? Well, that, uh, that's why. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You've got you've got enough of a story there accounting for, like, human frailty and stuff like that, too, where the interventions are sufficient to uh, tie up enough loose ends that people move on with their lives, even the people involved and stuff like that, and have other problems they're worried about. They have ongoing schemes they're worried about. Uh, they move on to other things. As you said in the thing, like, there are people that kind of speak out in different ways and stuff like that, but uh, things happen to them, uh, you know? So I think I think that's sort of a way that I wanted to sort of bring that up of, like, that's the first thing that I think of when I was looking into this kind of stuff and listening to you was, okay, well, why is it that these people control national politics to some extent, uh, but they can't? Uh, shut up a reporter or something like that or a investigator and stuff and it's like well they do they do they do shut them up to some extent they right? do as so, much yeah. as they care to yeah. yeah so anyways that was my last kind of thought on that kind of stuff of like this this uh i think that those are two things that like people like those two sort of broader points are things that like if you're sort of casually looking into it i think a lot of people those would be the, the first things first is the hollywood problem of well, okay, just because they're stealing money doesn't mean they're abusing people. And uh, the other problem, a power problem of, 
why isn't there just like black sites that they can abuse people at that have no uh, they don't show up on maps or something like that kind of thing. And it's like, well, yeah, well, yeah. we haven't ruled that out. <laughs> sure. <laughs> to, to I mean, be yeah, honest. yeah, 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 yeah. We're, yeah, we're yeah. talking like with the Dutro case, it's sort of like a situation where things didn't go according to plan. Uh, you have to assume that when things do go according to plan that we don't hear about those sure. things. Now I, you don't want to yeah, run wild with that kind of sure. speculation, but I think it's a reasonable implication that, these aren't the only two instances of, you know, of this sort of activity sure. ever, you know? Yeah. Um, for my part, to kind of like as a final note, I want to point out that throughout the story, you have instances of n- people with kind of like normal lives um, helping one another. Mm-hmm. And in serious ways like the initial story of the um the washington girls and the way that uh social workers were able to get them out of a truly hellish life you know they i mean that i think is an amazing story i think um if you uh like nick bryant uh i should say has a has a podcast going now and he has interviewed Alicia Owen. They're they're very close friends, and you can see that she's doing pretty well. You know, yeah. Um, so bad things can happen to people, and then other people can help them out. Sure. And that is the majority of people. I think. Yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. You see that through the case, like, oh, the cops. You know, of course, you know, we're all supposed to hate cops and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not trying to defend them, but there were police officers involved who did have a sense of right and wrong that I think we could like largely agree with, at least the way that it expressed itself in this case where they saw bad things happening to vulnerable people and children and stuff like that. And they wanted to stop the crimes, you know, sure. um, Caridori was sort of like, a, almost like walked out of a noir novel or something, sure. you know, like he almost felt like, a you know, the Hollywood problem. I, I thought we were going to get into that a little bit, but to me, he almost seems like a Bruce Willis sure. <laughs> character in a movie or something. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's these people who in, in some cases it cost them a lot. I think Caridori definitely flew too close to the sun to kind of make it out alive. But there were other people in the, the story who did their part, who fought a little bit within the context that they lived in, like with it, maybe their job, there was someone who was putting pressure on them to stop what they were doing, but they still managed to help someone out and get by without enormous cost to themselves. I think that is something to look to as like a, I don't know, something of an optimistic note sure. that, that it's not just the bad guys don't just win and sure. win and win and win. And win. Yeah. They, they get what they want. In the end, yes, but you can still do good. You can still like. So, on some level, I would I I look at the story and I see like um, a reason to to take action when I when I might see something. Sure, you know some some if I if I see that within my ability not to kind of fall back on this sort of like oh well that that person's probably making stuff up or there's probably something sure. you know. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, pass the smell test necessarily. Like I don't know, just a, a little bit of like uh, open mindedness when you hear people who are saying they might need help or something. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's important not to become nihilist about it when it's yeah. it's easy to. I mean, we're a you can't win podcast, but you know, it's uh, 
it, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, total negativity. As uh, you can't win, yeah. but you can help. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Um, yeah. So, is there anything you wanted to sort of like lay out about what your plans are for the next little while, or do you want to just? Uh, sure. Um, yeah. So the next. Uh, yeah. So the next step is to look at two books. Uh, one is called The Politics of Heroin uh, by Alfred W. McCoy. That is an uh, like a historical examination of the heroin industry and the way that it uh, got set up in Europe in the aftermath of World War II based out of uh, France and then the way that it shifted to Vietnam during the Vietnam War. Uh, I think that is fairly significant for some of the stuff we're going to be looking at. And then sort of alongside that, um, the Phoenix program by Douglas Valentine. It takes a look at the kind of infamous uh, Phoenix program also uh, during the Vietnam War, which was uh, kind of like a special project that uh, ran like a terrorist training camp, basically, that uh, mm-hmm. taught people how to terrorize the, the communist side and kind of... Um, yeah, and they found it to be very effective and have replicated it elsewhere. In fact, today there's uh, something called fusion centers, which are kind of like the modern day version of this. It's not quite as uh, flashy as the sure. Phoenix program is, but uh, it, it performs a similar function. Sure. So, yeah, we're going to take a look at those two books. I think one of us will cover one and the other will cover the other. Okay. Something yeah. along those lines. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure, figure that out. out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then after that we will finally, I think, dive into – uh, program to kill itself and start to look at some of the uh, cases that he lays out for serial killers being programmed assassins uh, that's his yeah, basic yeah. thesis so that obviously doesn't pass the smell test to any rational person i think but you build up enough of this context and it's not quite as crazy as it sounds i'm not sure. saying that i necessarily believe believe it or disbelieve it i i'm pretty much just looking at facts as I can or sure looking at the looking at the case right um, but I think it it uh, it deserves a little bit of context to examine these things uh, before you just say like oh well I don't believe that or I sure, sure. yeah that's a hundred percent true well yeah you know to to really make a serious decision about that I guess you look at it need to look at it in, in this way so sure yeah well I, I don't know that sounds interesting I think that uh, th- I think this first uh, you know, like swipe through things kind of thing, like through one uh, particular case, uh, really did, you know, like a good job. And we're, uh, I don't know, I'm excited. So I'll see, I'll see, we'll see how it goes. I mean, it, it does feel weird. I mean, to some extent to, to be excited about, uh, you know, abuse cases and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> I think that yeah. like, uh, that's, uh, yeah, if, if this podcast is anything, it's that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. So yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for, uh, yeah, that, uh, first, uh, thing i don't know we'll see, we'll see I, I had a, yeah. a lot of fun doing it even though it was pretty hard to like i, I had to uh, like really take breaks in between like, yeah I, I couldn't i wasn't able to just kind of you know do it all in a, in a couple weeks and, and release it all at once it's just kind of hard going sure uh just given the subject matter but i feel like i learned a lot in in yeah. um, putting those episodes together i hadn't done any kind of like solo scripted sort of podcasting before so that was like first attempt at that i feel like i learned a lot and hopefully i'll do you know get better and better as we sure. continue to do this yeah sort of stuff. yeah um yeah so anyways why don't we uh wrap it up there i think for today is there anything else that you want to say or is that, that no that's good yeah i think i think we covered it good good okay well uh 
Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, guys, I guess. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, see you later.